It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! This episode of Astrocast is brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Today, the Houston Astros play a doubleheader against the Oakland A's. This is the middle part of a five-game series between these two clubs. The A's took game one yesterday, 6-0, as Christian Javier gave up two runs in five innings. Carlos Correa, two hits, but the Astros lost their fifth in a row. A's have won two of their last three. Astros 21 and 20, second in the AL West, four and a half games behind the A's, who lead the West with a record of 24 and 14. Let's take a look at today's pitching matchup presented by Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist is proud to be the official health care provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. In game one, the Astros will send Zach Greinke to the mound. He's been one of baseball's best, six in the American League with a 2.91 ERA. Yeah, he's one of baseball's best, and he's pitching at the top of his game. 36 years old right now, a quality start in five of his last six starts. Uh, he's doing everything right. You know, the first game was a little little uh, subpar for, for Zach Greinke, but since then, man, he's been right on the money, and he's your headliner. He, he's the one that goes out there uh, to try to stop some of these losing streaks, and that's what they're counting on today. Frankie Montas getting the ball for the A's. He was their opening day starter this year and got off to a good start, but mm. has a 6.06 ERA, which is the third worst ERA in the American League among pitchers with at least 30 innings. Yeah, last three starts, a 16.76 ERA for, for Frankie Montas. He's lost feel for a split-fingered fastball. His velocity still pretty good, but uh, upper back woes have affected uh, his command on his fastball, so he's falling behind the count a lot. Uh, didn't have a very good game against the Astros at Minute Maid Park last week. Hopefully, same thing occurs here. Keys to the game presented by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals on all models. Honda, the official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, Zach Greinke's going in game one for the Astros. We have not announced their game two starter. It's going to be a bullpen game, and we've seen this before. You know, Dusty Baker's hoping Zach Greinke can go uh, maybe all seven innings of the first game of that doubleheader, but certainly get deep into that ball game, make it a little easier to mix and match in game two. That's right. You know, this is a crucial start. You know, you just, you hold your breath. The, the way things are going right now, it, it, as bad as the bullpen's been for the this road trip really for the Astros, and, and mostly because they've been overtaxed, uh, you're just holding your breath that nothing happens uh, to your starter when he goes out there and, and get into this type of mess again. So, uh, you're playing a doubleheader here. You're counting on Grinky to give you a lot of innings. The cool thing about Grinky is he's very efficient with his pitches. He knows what to do to get deep. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros manager Dusty Baker, and a little later we'll hear from former A's catcher and longtime A's broadcaster Ray Fossey. But now this from your local station. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that goodbye. And it'll end 
Demetrius Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford Bach? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. Well, Dusty, you're in a place you're very familiar with, uh, the Bay Area, for a couple of games today with this doubleheader and uh, Oakland. And, of course, with all the protocols, everybody's supposed to basically just go from the hotel to the ballpark. That's it. How weird is it for you to be in the San Francisco, Oakland area and not be able to, to visit with people or, or, or see, see your family, which lives not too far away. Yeah, well, it is a little, a little strange. You know, my daughter lives in Oakland Hills, you know, their husband and my grandson. And, uh, but, you know, my wife and son, uh, you know, came over today. My wife had a couple of doctor's appointments and I got to see them, you know, briefly before the game because they were in, in Houston. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they cleared all the protocols and stuff. And my son had to come over and he's going to uh, Santa Cruz for his, his buddy's 21st birthday. Cause, so he had to come over and, and get some money. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Dad, I miss you. I love you, but I need some money. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so uh, you know, it was, it was cool to see them, you know, for a few minutes. Uh, Bob Melvin, manager of the A's. I know when you guys were in town uh, last time, uh, last month, he referred to you as a, as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was with the, the Giants when you were a hitting coach. Uh, right. And also, I believe, when you managed there as well. Uh, when you were around Bob Melvin as a player, did you ever think that he, he had a chance to be a manager, that he was a future manager? Yeah, I mean, I knew he had a chance. Uh, you know, number one, he was a catcher. He's a smart guy. Uh, you know, he uh, – he was a stockbroker in the wintertime. You know, he passed the Series 7 um, uh, uh, test, you know, and then I, I was a stockbroker. We were talking earlier in 87, well, right before I got to the, to the um, you know, to the Giants. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, if I'm his mentor, I don't like him beating us, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we talk, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, quite often in the winter. And, uh, you know, he's one of the guys that, you know, you, you try to extend the courtesy um, to, you know, to send your lineup over. And he does the same for us versus, you know, that crazy gamesmanship that they call it, holding the lineup and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you know, I got a lot of respect for Bo Mel. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, he got a good team over there. And, you know, the excellent pitching staff. So, but we got to get them. You know, we got to beat them. Uh, and then I'll talk to Bo Mel later. What were who were the managers who were who mentors to you when you were first starting out as a as a manager? Well, you know, like I had Roger Craig as a manager when I was uh, in San Francisco, and uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I had Tom Lasorda in in L.A. as my uh, <clears throat> um, manager. Also, you know, I had a couple of basketball guys that I that I leaned on. You know, especially in the Bay Area, uh, you know, I went over to Bill Walsh's house quite often to talk about leadership and management and also, you know, the great Al Adels. And mm-hmm. so, like, I went outside the game, you know, to people that I respect. There were people that reached out to me. And um, uh, quite frankly, you know, most of my mentors were, um, you know, were coaches. You know, uh, you know Jim Gilliam, uh, you know, Preston Gomez. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that I had in L.A., Danny Ozark. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I suggest all young managers that they get, you know, an older guy, you know, as, as a bench coach to start out, like Don Taylor. Um, you know, I think he had uh, Don Zimmer. You know, who I had was was Bob Lillis. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bob Lillis was great to me. I mean, he, he came, uh, you know, with Roger Craig's staff, you know, to be on mm-hmm. my staff. And he wouldn't really tell you what to do. What he would do is would, would, he would like, you know, if I was about to mess up a decision, he would ask, he wouldn't tell me what to do. He would ask me, you know, uh, you know, did you ever consider? And when mm-hmm. he said those three words and I, I knew maybe that I shouldn't do what I was about to do. <laughs> and I said, yeah, no, I really didn't. Or maybe I did. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking of Phil's manager, you know, uh, was Chuck Tanner, you know, mm-hmm. you know, his former manager. And so, uh, you know, you have guys. And, and also I had a few uh, uh, guys that I played for as mentors on not how to be, because I think not how to be is as important as how to be. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, I mean, you learn along the way from, you know, from different people and then you, you study, you know, leadership. Like I, you know, I read like, uh, you know, Till the Hun and Martin Luther King and, you know, you know, Malcolm X, I, you know, Edie, I mean, on how kind of how not to be, I mean, sometimes, you know, the dictators teach you how not to be and you, um, kind of, you know, I even read Hitler, you know, when you're, trying to figure out, you know, how, how people get other people to follow them, even in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot to, you know, a lot to learn. I learned quite a bit from my dad, you know, my dad was our little league coach and, uh, you know, my dad, I, I don't know if I told you now, he cut me three times from his own team. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, for having a bad attitude. And so that's why I'm big on attitude uh, now and how you carry yourself. Well, Dusty Baker, Astros manager, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck. Hopefully you take two today. Oh, yeah, we will. Thank you. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. This episode of Astrocast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing. Carbock Brewing, crafted for serious fun. And welcome back to Astro Launch, everybody. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with longtime broadcaster with the Oakland A's, Ray Fossey, and a former all-star catcher for many years in the major league. So, Ray... Uh, it's always a pleasure to to catch up with you. How you doing, man? I could not be better. And uh, I think we all kind of, um, I'm glad there's baseball. I think right. we're all happy there's baseball. And uh, a sprint that really is down to three weeks, considering the season ends officially three weeks from yesterday. I know. The Astros are two-thirds of the way through their season. I can't believe it. It's gone by so quickly. Right. Uh, these two teams are the, the cream of the crop ahead of this doubleheader today. And you, you look at this going into a, a five-game series, then one team could really put the hurting on the other team, couldn't they? Put it this way. What the Astros could not accomplish in Anaheim had to be devastating because having the lead, and I'll be honest with you, when I looked at the doubleheader and you had a chance to win both, but I guess Ryan Presley wasn't available. Yet in the Saturday doubleheader against the A's at your place, he saved both games. And so I think it really proves, and you were a pitcher, a great pitcher, and and you know – you it proves that that ninth inning, while everybody says, well, it's just another inning. No, it's not. It's not just another inning. And I, I think the Astros proved that. But to have – I mean, it's hard to get a three-game sweep, but a four-game sweep against a team that's as good as the Astros are, I think yeah. that was devastating. So coming in here, 
to play the athletics, I think that is probably the biggest factor in this series. And yes, the A's, the A's could do some damage. The, the A's play well at their own park, the Coliseum. Obviously, the Fires on Sunday didn't pitch. Uh, he pitched well, but not well enough against the Padres. And um, But I, I think the bottom line is that if there are five games to be played, I'm happy they're being played at the Coliseum simply because it's definitely a big series for both teams. If you're a little bit worried about one thing with the Oakland A's team right now, what what is it other than health? <laughs> I, I would go beyond that, Sparky, because you know health is 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 something that you can overcome. Yeah. A bad batting average, a bad swing, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, those things. I'm sorry. And you look at Matt Olson under 200, uh, you know, hitting, and and Matt Chapman. My goodness, you know, uh, striking out as much and. and um, uh, Chris Davis, not even the lineup, not even playing. And if he's only playing against lefties, uh, Adam Roden, who's the A's video coordinator, does a great job. And I'm looking for the final three weeks. I think the A's will only see about six lefties. And if that's the case and he only plays against those lefties, that's going to be it. But uh, I think really, Sparky, that the biggest thing is that the A's are where they are. And I'll go on the positive side because the outstanding bullpen, yeah. the defense is good. Uh, it it kind of reminds me a little bit of when I played for the A's in the 70s when the late Dick Williams said, we do two things. We catch the ball and we pitch. I always love to ask you, Ray, uh, about catching. I mean, that's your expertise, of course. Uh, who's some of the, uh, a couple of your favorite catchers in the league right now? I have to be a little bit biased. Well, first of all, let me, let me preface this by saying I do not like to see catchers on one knee. Oh, yeah. a, lot of, lo a lot of it is about framing. And Sparky, I talked to Tom Verducci, um, who evidently is in on the inside of everything. I talked to him in Mason before everything was shut down. And he said, effective 2022, after the CBA expires in 21 December, there's going to be a computerized strike zone. Okay. So everything that's predicated on framing, and to me it's cheating. It's not framing. If you take a ball that's six inches outside and you move it back to the strike zone or, or one that's almost the ground, you bring it back up. You know, come on, that's cheating. And if the umpire doesn't watch the ball cross the plate, shame on him. Right. But if they go to this 3D, three-dimensional uh, virtual, that's going to go away because the catcher just catches the ball, forget it. They're yeah. going to tell you whether it's a strike or not, and that's it. But, um, but I, I like the mobility. And when I see a catcher on one knee, now I, I talked to Stephen Vogt, who's now with the Diamondbacks, and I noticed he was on one knee, and I said, what's up? And he said, my hips are not as good as they were. Uh, so getting on one knee, I, I, can, I can catch the ball better. He told me something I never heard of because when I watch these catchers on one knee, it really bothers me. But he says he digs his right foot, right toe into the ground. So he can pop up if the guy's stealing. He can pop up if the guy was laterally. That's, that's very I don't care. Uh, was it Garver from Minnesota last year? And I'll never forget this. The Twins, it was 11 to 10. It was one of those back and forth. And I saw Garber down on one knee all with a runner at third base. Yeah. And he all he could do is just reach as far as his right arm would allow him, or his left arm would allow him to reach. It turned out to be a wild pitch. But if he's up and mobile, he could have blocked that ball. It turned out to be an extra run. And it took Hicks in center field making this unbelievable catch with bases loaded. And I think it started with David Ross when he's catching for the Cubs. And Chris Bosio was a pitching coach. And I saw him at the Coliseum. And I said, Boz, what's going on with this, this thing on your, on your catcher's wrist? you know, like a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's just a help. I said, give that's me a break. common now. Yeah, it is. And, you know, but I saw something with uh, your catcher, Maldonado. He took it out of his back pocket. But Infielders are doing the same thing. I saw something with the Angels, and maybe you did while you were in Anaheim, 
that Ho uh, 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 Jose Molina, when the pitching chain was made, he brought out individual cards to the catcher and to the infielder. When kids spend time in the minor leagues, if you think about the time that a catcher spends in the minor leagues, it's normally to learn how to call a game. Right. You don't need you don't need somebody to help you. I mean, scouting reports, yes. One thing I don't like, Sparky, is that somebody will say, well, this guy can't hit a certain pitch. Well, my pitcher can't do that. So I want to go to my pitcher's strength versus a hitter's weakness. Because if he doesn't have the pitch, what good is it to throw yep. to a guy? I, I saw Keith Folk with the best changeup in baseball not throw one changeup to David Ortiz. Because I was in the pitcher, dugout. I was yeah, there. You've got the pitcher with the best changeup in yeah. baseball, and you said he couldn't throw it? So what does Ortiz do? He hits the ball off the right field wall, and you guys end up losing another game five. But I just like the mobility. And, again, I see our catchers, even Jonah Heim, who was brought up. Yeah. Good mobility. He's a tall catcher, kind of like Sandy Alomar Jr. was when he caught. But, you know, you can give a low target without getting on one knee. I'm sorry. It just it takes away your mobility. And I see guys snatching the ball. You, you had a catcher, uh, Jason Castro, who, you know, I enjoy watching him. But, you know, he, he's catching it almost like an infielder. And they said, nice block. No, it's not a block. Glove that, and you're hoping the ball finds the glove. And if you're behind the plate and that ground is not smooth and you're trying to block a ball and you're just snatching at it, you're going to miss it more times than not. So I like the mobility. I like the blocking of the, of the balls. To me, Sparky, and I remember one of your uh, contemporaries, uh, knuckleballer, um, R.A. Dickey. Yep. You know what he said? I don't care what my catcher does, just catch me. I loved it, man. I loved it. Because he said, I don't care if you hit or not. I just want you to catch me. Not because it was a knuckleball. That's, what, but that's I think the way every, most pitchers feel. They should feel that way. And, yeah. and to me, when, when I see, and we, you know, we talk about on the air a lot about catchers and offense, I said, forget about it. Because if that catcher, like I said, in position, that if you don't separate the two, if you don't leave that at bat in the dugout and you mm -hmm. go behind the plate, you're going to get caught big time. And you'll see offensive catchers, they will call a game based on pitches they can't hit. <laughs> and it's wrong. It's and you'll wrong. see infielders and outfielders take ABs out to the field too, don't you? Absolutely. And you just can't do it. And I think especially as a catcher, because you know as well as I do, yeah. every pitch is thrown by a pitcher to a catcher. A catcher sees everything. And uh, – so I, I just I just think it's a it's it's a lost art, uh, but I still hope that with as many former catchers who are now managing that they will say to their catchers, catch, handle the pitching staff, whatever you do offensively, I don't care if you do or don't. Now Matt Chapman and Matt Olson will play first and third, third and first every day, because the skipper has said your defense is so good I don't care what you hit, you're going to save go. more runs, you're going to drive in. A catcher is going to do more than that if he and the pitcher are on the same page, and you know that being a pitcher, that you need to be on the same page. You need to be able to say, okay, I'm going to call a pitch, search a suggestion, but I still want to see. Catfish Hunter never shook me off once. Never. Wow. And I said, why don't you ever shake me off? He said, this is classic. It's your job to tell me what to throw and where to throw it because you're back there every day. I'm only back there every fourth day. Now these guys wow. are back there every fifth day. But he told me that. So if a Hall of Fame pitcher, God rest his soul, could do that, who is out there in their own mind, especially relievers coming in, it kills me, Sparky, to see a reliever come in. i got to tell you this. Mike Brumley, remember Mike Brumley, the infielder? Sure. His dad caught Sandy Koufax in the big leagues with the Dodgers. And his first game he was ever going to catch in the big leagues, he was going to catch Koufax. Wow. And he was nervous to go talk to him. And he finally got up enough nerve just before Koufax was get about to go warm up. He said, Mr. Koufax, my name is such and such. 
Uh, I'm going to be your catcher. You want to go over uh, uh, how you want to uh, pitch some of these guys? He goes, son, he didn't even look up at him. He goes, son, you can't put down the wrong sign. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, and, and, that, and that's really different type of pitcher, but that's perfect because yeah. you know what? To me, what I see, when, when Sean and I pitched his no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox, uh, Jonathan Lucroy was his catcher. And after all the celebration and everything, I went up to Sean afterwards. I said, do you know what you did not do tonight? And he goes, no, what? I said, you didn't shake your head one How time. How about that? Wow, I never thought about that. I said, think about it. Just think about everything that Luke put down you threw. And he had a bad arm, ended up having surgery, and he pitched a no-hitter with a bad arm. I caught Sam McDowell. We used the add and subtract. Yeah. I'd call him fastball, and he's had to subtract the fastball. Go, what are you doing? You know, but he wanted to show that he was calling his own game. He wore out three uniforms just doing that stuff. You know? That's funny. But, but it was just simply that. You know, we were on the same page, but it was bottom line. You know, I, I want to call my own game. But, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lost start, just like bunting. All right, but, that's Ray Fossey. Uh, he's with the Oakland A's broadcast team. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, former major league catcher. Thanks for catching up, Ray. Always. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Be safe, be healthy, my friend. Always good to talk to you. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Questions for Alex Bregman. Hey, Alex, last time we saw you, you were pretty disappointed and uh, just suffering that injury. So how do you feel today as you arrived at the ballpark? Feel great. Super excited to come back and um, try and do my part and help and contribute, um, help and win games. Um, very thankful to the, the trainers and strength coaches um, and doctors. Um, and uh, look forward to coming back and playing uh, some, some good baseball. What was that rehab process like once you found out just how serious it was? Did everything go according to plan for you? Yeah. Um, got the results back and then immediately got into training mode of um, strengthening all around it, um, strengthening it, strengthening it, and um, just following the program that was given to me um, by our trainers. So um, they – they helped me out a bunch. We worked every single day as hard as we possibly could to get back and uh, help this team win games. So uh, hopefully I can help out and be a part of that. What's the, the worry level, concern level about this happening again, or, or do you feel uh, good enough you can go out there and not even think about it at this point? I feel great. I don't, I'm not thinking about it at all. I'm thinking about um, helping my team win games. Um, and just putting together good at bats, playing good defense, um, making good base running decisions, and um, yeah, feel great. Uh, feel great um, for a while now. So um, yeah. You mentioned how do you, how do you feel about that, um, you? You did work in the off season just to address that right hamstring. What what kind of stuff did you do to try to strengthen that? Since that's been a concern for you kind of throughout your career. I think there's some good uh, exercises that you can do to uh, help strengthening it at its uh, at length, like lengthened positions in the hamstring muscles. Lengthened, you can work on strengthening it then. And I think that's a 
that's been the biggest focus for me. Alex, how do you, you and you look at things now you're getting back, you've seen the team struggle while you were out. Uh, you have a critical games left at Oakland. You're four and a half back with not a whole lot of season left. How do you look at all that stuff? I think the biggest thing is winning, uh, winning the first pitch and then moving on from there to the next one. I mean, it's super cliche to say, but um, when, when you want to stop the bleeding, you got you to just win the next pitch. And, and um, I think that's what we need to do is um, win the next pitch and, and, and kind of build off that. Alex, I asked, I asked Carlos the same thing yesterday, but it seems like you guys are not hitting for power like we've seen you guys hit for power in the past. Do you, do you know why that is, or can you put a finger on why that may be? I don't know. I haven't even thought about it, to be honest with you. Um, I think if you look around the league, there's a lot of people that aren't hitting. So I think uh, there's a there's – a, I don't know if it's due to the, the long layoff or what it is, but um, I think – I think we're top of the league in runs scored. Uh, uh, I think we've scored a lot of runs. I think we can always continue to get better. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think uh, this, the sample size that has been shown is very small to be for anyone to panic about power production. Um, yeah. Alex from Puerto Rico. Tomorrow is going to be a very important day because they're going to be celebrating Roberto Clemente Day. The Pips and Pirates are going to be using number 21. Are you going, going to be doing a type of, you know, um, tribute to Roberto? And have you spoken to the Puerto Rican players that are actually going to be using number 21? Yeah, they, they are super, um, they're super excited about it. Um, and I mean, he was just such a great ambassador for the game. And um, it's great that the, the league is going to be celebrating him. And, um, yeah, we, we've talked about it. They're very excited and um, looking forward to it tomorrow. We'll start with questions for Luis Garcia. If someone had told you three or four months ago you'd be starting a big league game, would that seem like a uh, something that would be hard to believe? I don't know. I believe it, but, like, not that soon. And I'm excited for that. How nervous were you coming in in Anaheim on Friday? And were you glad to get that first outing out of the way before your first start? I was a little nervous, but I was more focused and throw the ball and do my best and try to put the hairs out and, and try to save the game. <laughs> I don't know. What did you get that routine where when you uh, in your windup where it looks like you're you're doing a little uh, dance there with your uh, <laughs> is that something you've always done? How did, how does that come about? I don't know. I started to do that like in Fayetteville last year, and I like it. It's like I don't know. <laughs> hey, Luis. As you know, thinking back to what you were doing to prepare yourself during the shutdown. We were in West Palm Beach, right? Could you just explain kind of what a what a normal day was like for you as you tried to keep your arm and body ready to return to baseball? Uh, we we start like in the afternoon. It was at night. We went uh, to the parking lot and start moving around, 
and jump rope or round, and then we start to throw the ball. Made like little basic balls and all that stuff. And then we do the conditioning, like the normal conditioning that we do every day when we was active in the stadium. It was like that, nothing crazy. But you were throwing off that mound at the top of the parking garage, correct? Oh. You didn't have to do that? No. You got to go to the facility? No, we couldn't. We couldn't throw in the mound like for two months and then the, the pitching coordinator uh, sent to us like uh, a mound, portal mound. Okay. And, right. uh, and we started to throw like more frequently in the mound. <laughs> in the parking garage though, right? Yeah. On top? Yeah. Who were some of the guys that were with you during that? Uh, uh, there was Who's like catching you. Every, uh, it was two catch, two catchers, I think. Uh, one name is Jordan Ceuta, and the other one is. Uh, Jose Alvarez. Both are Venezuelan guys. Luis, as a Venezuelan, what is it like to share a clubhouse with Jose Altuve? It's really good to uh, share the uh, share clubhouse with like everybody here. It's very nice. Luis, two cosas. Primero que nada. Cuéntanos uh, lo que dijiste ahorita sobre lanzar en el parking garage. ¿Cómo lo hiciste? Uh, ¿Por qué lanzaste en el parking garage para practicar durante entrenamientos? Y la segunda es, ¿cómo entras mañana en cuanto al nerviosismo de empezar tu primer juego? Pero platico la experiencia de tirar en, en el garaje. Uh, uh, so, en el parking uh, it was like. Uh, Pero dímelo en español, lo necesito en español. Este, bueno, lanzar ahí en el estacionamiento, así le decimos nosotros. Este, fue literalmente nuestra única opción, o sea, no teníamos más para dónde ir y era lo más cerca que nos quedaba. Y ahí uh, nosotros lanzábamos practicamos, era lo único que podíamos hacer, pues. Y, bueno, mañana, este, I'm, like, emocion estoy emocionado por, por lanzar, pues, o sea, no estoy pensando mucho en que si tengo nervios o cualquier otra cosa, no, simplemente estoy emocionado por lanzar y hacer lo mejor que yo pueda hacer. Gracias. Sí, como es, uh, throwing the parking what we had to do with it on the parking garage. And as far as tomorrow, um, I'm not really thinking about whether I have nerves or not or, or anything like that. I'm just excited to, to get out there and pitch. Um, so I'm not really worried about being nervous. I'm just excited to get the ball on. Any other um, questions? Where's your, where's your friends and family watching from? And how excited have they been for you during all of this? They are back in Venezuela, my home, my home. They're watching every game. And they they was watching every day waiting for my debut, and they were really excited, really really loud. 
Uh, screaming. Screaming like when I was uh, jogging to the mountain. <laughs> it was really, I don't know, <laughs> it was really exciting. Anything else for Luis? Luis, Luis, ¿es presión o obligación o cómo te sientes de, con este equipo de, de, de los que están peleando, quieren, quieren este, ganar? ¿Cómo te sientes? Uh, ¿Es obligación o es presión o, o cómo te sientes tú? La verdad no te sabía decir, o sea, yo, yo vengo debutando hace poquito y de verdad estoy emocionado por eso y veo que el equipo quiere ganar y entonces eso me motiva a mi mamá a, a ganar siempre, o sea, estar enfocado en, en, en ganar todos los partidos y cuando me toque lanzar a mí tratar de ayudar al equipo lo más que pueda. Yeah, we're focused on just trying to win every single game. So when it's my turn in the rotation, that's obviously my number one goal. So we're focused on the same thing. Just trying to help the team win tomorrow. Hay un compañero que te ayuda. ¿Quién es el, el veterano que les ayuda a ustedes que están más chicos? Uh, ¿Hay alguien especial o hay varias personas? ¿Y qué tipo de consejos te, da, te dan? Este, no, o sea, todo, todos nos ayudamos entre todos. Los veteranos nos ayudan a nosotros, los rookies, para seguir mejorando. Siempre este, nos dan buenos consejos, que tratemos de no estar nerviosos, simplemente que disfrutemos el juego, que es el mismo juego y, y siempre con confianza en el montículo para hacer un, el, el, lo mejor que nosotros sabemos hacer. Yeah, everybody in this clubhouse helps each other out. Um, there's not anybody in specific, but everybody is, is helping each other out. The veterans are all helping the rookies out. Uh, to try and help us and uh, just reminding us that you don't need to be too nervous out there. It's the same game you've always been playing, so you don't need to do anything too different. Um, just keep focused on, on doing your best. AstroCast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Carbock Brewing, crafted for serious fun. See you later!